The story of Abraham and Isaac is as far removed from the transfiguration in time as we are from the transfiguration ourselves. There's all of salvation history between our time and Abraham and Jesus in the middle. It's a long period of history, and we're in prehistory in terms of the Bible with, with this story of Abraham, just beginning salvation history with, with him. And God had made him this promise that, that uh, he, because of his faith, God would uh, give him more descendants than the stars in the sky, which of course refers, as St. Paul tells us, the people of faith are also the children of Abraham. So this, this journey is a journey of impossibilities, of contradictions, of God, God's will being difficult to fathom, his, his almost seeming contradictory. Uh, the, the, the nature of the test is to not understand what God is asking, his plan being very difficult and hard to comprehend, and yet continuing to trust. We see this, an echo of this in the transfiguration, where they don't understand why Moses and Elijah are there in the first place and want to stay there forever, you know, and uh, by building these tents, these religious uh, uh, structures. So anyway, Abraham was promised at the age of 90 that he would receive a, an heir. He was already past the time when people have children, and God waited another 10 years before Isaac came along. So now it's another 11 or 12 years after that, 20 years since that original promise made to Abraham. And now God says, take this Isaac, whom he had already promised would be the heir, and I want you to kill him on a rock up on Mount Moriah, which tradition says that's where the, the temple would later be. The, ver the first question is, how could God say it, ask an awful thing like that? Well, partly it's because the Ten Commandments had not, would not be promulgated for another thousand years with Moses. And in that day, it was very common for deities to, to offer human sacrifice. So, of course, God was, did not want this. But Abraham didn't know that. He would have no way of knowing that. To him, it would have been something that God, a God might do. He didn't know who God was. He just knew that he had been called. This is the beginning of a journey of humanity understanding what God is really like. And so God could get away with that kind of a request at that period of, of human history, and he did. Knowing full well that while Abraham would only be taken to the edge, and what an edge he was taken to, we, he, he himself would provide his own son who would actually offer himself for all of us. So, so obviously, a Abraham is an echo of Christ's sacrifice that would yet to come in the, in the far future. So you can imagine what Abraham must have felt like when, when God said this. He probably thought, I thought Isaac was going to be the one, you know, that would be the progenitor. Maybe he thought he, Isaac would be raised from the dead. Uh, I, we don't know what he, Abraham was thinking, but he went along with God's plan. God's plan never looks very good, you know. It, well, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes it does, but quite frequently I don't care for his plan. I've said this before, but it always looks good in hindsight, doesn't it? I mean, uh, who, when any, any of you who lost power for a week, did you think that was a very good plan from God? Anybody here like that and say, praise the Lord, another day without power. Wow, boy, am I grateful. Uh, another year of COVID, boy, I'm 
so glad we have these masks on and and you know I mean none of this stuff is very pleasant let's face it and I'm constantly visiting families that are going through crises or they're coming to me not always I mean we have a lot of joyful things that occur here uh, and mass on Sundays is one of them thank goodness there's people here again uh, you know uh, it, it's just been a year since the missionaries those of you were here and participated in that Father Nile called and said it's been a year it's hard to believe that was two days ago but in any case we have these joys and sorrows and God asks us takes us to the edge and those are the moments of greatest glory how far will God how far will you go with God without him having to explain himself that's where it's tough. So you can imagine what, what Ab- going through Abraham's head is he's walking with Isaac to Mount Moriah. And I, the part that they left out of this, you can hear the entire uh, story at the Easter Vigil when we read this whole passage, which is quite long. But at one point, the, the most poignant part that they should have put in here, I think, is Isaac's walking along and they see the rock where Abraham knew where to go. And, and the, the dome, where the Dome of the Rock is now standing in Jerusalem. It's that rock. The tradition says that this occurred. And Isaac sees it and he says, well, there's, there's the altar and here's the wood. He's carrying it on his own back. Where's, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? You see the tears in Abraham's eyes. He says, God himself will provide the lamb. And he's looking at his own son, you know. Well... <laughs> Obviously, Isaac didn't have a clue. One wonders how he got from that to being tied up on an altar, but it, I don't know whether he was, went along with it or not. But the next thing you know, Isaac is the sacrifice. And what, what's, I won't go into that. I don't want to repeat the story to you, but you can, I always imagine, we see this. This is actually in the story. Abraham raises his hand to slaughter his son. This is how far Abraham got. And I can see him on the downstroke when, when, the, when the angel of God comes and says, don't do it. We, that, that is not in there. Perhaps he never got past this, but I see him going, now I know that you love me. It was the most incredible test for a human being. None of us has the grace to go that far. Abraham had a special gift. And we find this over and over again in the scriptures. I, I've thought of so many, you know, in the last week about this. We ourselves, each of us, have had times when it seems like God is asking for the impossible. And, uh, uh, you know, God only shows us one step at a time. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. You know, if God said to me, he wanted me to be a priest, if he showed me all that was going to happen, I'd say, see you later, alligator. (laughs) You know, it's like a a marriage or anything else. We don't know what's coming. And uh, there are just so many, you know, examples of that. that. St. Teresa of Lisieux, for example, she made an offering of herself. She said, I can't be a great saint. I can't be Teresa of Avila, was her namesake. Uh, you know, I can't be John of the Cross. Those were Carmelite saints that she, she read the imitation of Christ, which he was not a Carmelite. And she had this little way. She said, I, the infinite trust of a child who could do, um, who needed God for everything. And of course, she was, she was one of the greatest saints. Of the, John Paul II called her the greatest saint of the 20th century and a doctor of the church, someone of whom a nun said at the end of her life, as she was dying, she overheard this nun say, well, she was a sweet little thing, but there's nothing right about her. She didn't do anything. And she said, at least I lived long enough to hear that, <laughs> you know. And yet, and yet, and yet, the greatest accomplishment was that she lost all sight of heaven. Everything was as black as it could possibly be. 
no imagination, no sensible feeling, no conviction in our heart with any kind of feeling that God exists or that Jesus loves her. He's going through tuberculosis. She's dying of deep depression. You know, that whole nine yards you get when you're really sick. She's writing her journal. You'd never know by reading it. Um, and, and she said, I will to have faith. She was taken to the very edge, and she said, I choose faith. I choose to believe in you, Lord. I don't feel you. I don't see you. But I choose you. And this is, this is what it means to be taken to the edge. You'll have your edge. I have my edge. Most of us can't get that far. God will take us as far as we can go. And if we don't make it all the way, whether it's a Lenten sacrifice or a loved one, you know, uh, we can only go so far, perhaps, in being a caregiver, for example. Many of you have done that. I've done it. But God will take what we can. And the, sometimes these terrible disasters turn into the greatest glory imaginable. A couple others from the saint, one for another saint one would be St. Faustina, who writes, I've read that diary four times because it's just filled with these little gems. You'd never think a, a, a cloistered up nun in Poland could have anything to say, but written in the 1930s, but boy, it's sure filled with singers. I mean, she, God, the Lord incessantly told her she was going to leave that order and found a new community or something of that effect. She was always writing about how scared she was. She couldn't do it. Lord, please don't ask this of me, and this and that. And he kept saying, trust me, trust me, Faustina. I won't ask more than you can handle. Just, you know, well, he didn't want her to. She, she didn't end up leaving the community. She died in that monastery. After all that conversation, she's seeing him face to face and talking with him, and he doesn't tell her that what's going to happen. Can you imagine that? Why would he do that? So that she would trust him. She, she, the Lord let her believe he might actually ask what was impossible. She said yes to it, and then he didn't ask it. It was all a test. It'd be the same with us. And that life has been very tough for us this last year. It was meant to toughen us up a little bit. Will you go with me? Many of us have been away for a year. It's maybe time to start coming back, get your vaccine, and or as things start to calm down, hopefully. A lot of us, I've seen a lot of new, uh, I don't know, how do I put this, old faces? Uh, <laughs> Y'all look a year older, some of you. Uh, beginning Ash Wednesday, I saw a lot of people I haven't seen for a while. I was just so pleased, you know. I, and people over and over said, we've been here, Father, you know, as I call it, behind the looking glass. And it's just been, it's marvelous. I mean, Easter was so um, emptying with 10 people in here on Easter Sunday. It was an extraordinarily um, emptying moment for all of us priests, certainly. I'm sure everybody else felt the same way. The Easter vigil didn't even happen for our, our gang that came in the church last year. Never in the history of the church has that happened on a universal basis. And yet, you know, God works it to good. It, it, for many, it created a longing. And so often, these, the, what God asks is not possible. He asks what, what uh, only he can fulfill, that which he asks. He just wants us to take that first step. Ask anybody that's been addicted to something. You know, uh, it all starts with one step. God doesn't ask us to do it all at once, just one step at a time. And he takes these, these seemingly insignificant things and turns them into the most marvelous expressions of his will, if only we permit him to do so. Uh, however, he does take, put, oftentimes he does seem to disappear. He, we get the exact opposite of what we asked for. 
He may uh, allow us to go through something, and all of that is for our greater glory. I sound like a broken record, but I really think when we look at it, it's been helping me this year so much, is to realize that we are already in eternity. It's just a matter of relocating. We're all in rental housing right now. I don't care where you live. It's not ours. It won't last, but while we're here, it's a brief moment in time, and every moment of it has an echo in eternity. So if God is asking something great, it doesn't mean that you have to do it all yourself. It means that he wants us to have faith in him, to have trust in him, to acknowledge we can't do everything on our own, whether it's something you're trying to overcome for Lent or uh, a, a risky thing to do. Uh, it can be even something in secular in the world, a change of jobs or, or just trusting him in financial difficulties or health issues with our families. Um, we don't have the answers ourselves, but we take it step by step, living one hour at a time, one day at a time, and God will provide the rest. We're all in those Abraham and Isaac moments where we're walking along and it seems as though uh, God's plan is not going to work out too well. But before you know it, uh, it's over. Sometimes we don't have to actually do what he asked, but he wants to know if we're willing to do it. Other times we find that in the journey of the struggle of life that we've grown more than we could possibly imagine. And uh, it was St. Teresa of Avila, close with this, that said, she said, if we could only live hour by hour in the presence of God um, for one year, we would grow to the heights of holiness without ever even realizing it. So Abraham, without realizing it, what Abraham's great gift was, was trust in God. Even when he was asked to sacrifice his own son through all the promises were meant to be, it seemed utterly contradictory. He didn't give up on God. He knew that God had a plan without knowing at all what it was. That's real faith. We, most of us will never get that far. We don't have to. He just wants what all we, all he wants is what you can do and no more. That's all. And thank God for that. He takes, he takes us where we're at and then pushes the envelope to see how far we, he can get us to grow before life is over. This is a great image for Lent because we're all in the midst of something, hopefully, and uh, that journey of faith of Isaac and Abraham to the transfiguration, through the cross, to the resurrection, is the journey of our life as well.